And we are live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What's up, guys? Nick Scripp on the P2W Fantasy Podcast here now in March of 2022 as we are trucking along in the offseason. It's cool because we have some actual football events going on. Uh, a lot of people talking about uh, the combine, the incoming prospects. But what we got going on today is I have two great guests I have yet to link up with in the fantasy football community. Uh, we're talking mailbag questions from the community. So uh, before we kick things off, I want to make sure I introduce both guys and uh, let them talk about what they have going on. So start things off here with uh, with Corey, co-founder of the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Uh, you guys have a YouTube channel, you have a Twitter page, you have a Patreon. Uh, you also uh, contribute DFS for Draft Shark. So Corey, thanks for coming on, man. Can you tell everybody where to find you first? Because people will listen to this later in their cars. Uh, and then also what you got going on. Yeah, you pretty much summed it up. Uh, Fantasy Stock Exchange over on YouTube's the bread and butter of most of our content. Uh, we're you know closing in on 10,000 subscribers right about now. So hopefully um, we can get there, I don't know, by the NFL draft or something like that. But that's pretty much where we find everything. And then, you know, we have a Patreon with our, you know, Dynasty Rankings Manifesto available. And then, uh, you know, player cards for all these prospects, databases and stuff like that. So um, patreon.com forward slash Fantasy Stock Exchange where you can find that. Uh, my work at Draft Sharks is during the season for the most part, but I am uh, contributing to uh, BDG's draft guide. Uh, for those of you that you know listen to Nick and you know everything he's got going on with his team, I'm, I'll be contributing to his draft guide as well, so you can find some of my work there also. Awesome stuff, awesome stuff. So for Fantasy Stock Exchange, do you guys cover redraft, dynasty, a mix of everything? How, how does that work for people that are not familiar? Um, basically whatever the calendar dictates right now, it's yeah. dynasty season, you know, rookie prospect season. So that's what we're talking about. Once we get into, you know, May and stuff still dynasty, but, uh, you know, June, July, August, you know, that's when we get into redraft, uh, type of content. And then during the season, obviously that's what we're talking about for the most part. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Also on the show today, got coach Craig, uh, writer for true North. I just had Trav on the show not too long ago. I love the true North guys. It's one of the few uh, other fantasy brand t-shirts I, I own. Uh, you also contribute to uh, we bet ATS media for the sons of dynasty. Um, great guys over there. D Brown, Nate, brother, Matt, uh, all guys. I, I have good relationships with uh, you cover fantasy football, NFL DFS uh, for both NBA and and the NFL. You're super active all the time. We uh, we both are on the Stacks app. If you guys are not familiar, go check that out. Coach Craig is way more active on there than I am, but uh, I, I like uh, being a part of that too. Um, Coach Craig, man, uh, where can we find you and let everybody know what you got going on? I think this is like your 15th show today, you said. <laughs> this is uh, a third streamer podcast today. Then I have my own NBA DFS video as well. But you can find me on Twitter at Coach Craig Sport. You can find me on YouTube at Coach Craig Sports, uh, patreon.com slash Coach Craig Sports on the Stacks app, like you mentioned, at Coach Craig Sports as well. Um, just a lot of different stuff going on, a little bit of everything every day nowadays, but could be a lot worse. It was a little bit busier during the football season when there's football and basketball going on at the same time, though. I always respect uh, people who dive into more than one sport because, you know, I, I try to throw out like waiver stuff for basketball. And then I see guys like yourself that are going like full blown DFS and full blown fantasy stuff for multiple sports. So that's uh, always awesome to see. So uh, before we get into the show here, as always, this show is partnered up with the Fantasy Points Media Group. Go check out fantasypoints.com slash subscribe. It's a one stop shop for all of your fantasy needs, regardless if you're playing DFS, redraft, dynasty, everything you want to see for fantasies in one spot. I'm on there every single uh, day. Promo code is P2W22. 
go check that out. Discount there. Uh, what we got going out today, again, I asked people from the fantasy community for some questions. We got a shit ton of them to cover, so we're going to try to get through as many as possible here. So stick with us on the show. It's going to be a good one. All right, so we already have comments coming in from YouTube. JC said, what's up, man? Uh, what's up, my man, Craig? Always crushing it, always crushing it. So uh, appreciate the comments. We can't see them on Twitter, though. So if you are watching on Twitter, head over to YouTube. We'll put them on the screen. Uh, love interactions with people that actually are listening to the show. So uh, as I said before, the intro video, mailbag episode, and we're just going to read out who asked the question, what the question is, and we'll go around the room here. Uh, feel free to disagree with each other, guys, whatever, whatever you want to do here. It's a pretty much open mic here. So the first question from uh, is from Hollywood Titan at Hollywood Titan. Hollywood's a great guy. He asks, who's your favorite buy low option for 2022? So when people say buy low in fantasy, I think we can all kind of take it a different way. So whichever way you want to take buy low, whether it means, you know, the price took a hit, whether it means they don't cost that much. Whatever route you want to take, we'll start things off with uh, you, Corey. Who comes to mind as somebody to to buy low potentially for twenty twenty two? I love J.K. Dobbins. It, he's been a guy of mine, you know, for the last couple of years. He was along with Jonathan Taylor, the only running back I had a first round grade on in that class. He was extremely efficient as a rookie. Everybody knows kind of the story by now. He averaged over six yards per touch, scoring seven touchdowns over the final eight games of twenty twenty. Tears his ACL before the season, obviously, um, you know, out for the season, along with his backfield mate, Gus Edwards. They both suffered season-ending injuries. Um, but we saw the corpse of Devontae Freeman be relevant in this <laughs> offense last year. Not only that, he was commanding four and a half targets per game when Lamar Jackson was on the field, and he was getting, you know, more than 50% of the snaps, and he was operating as the primary guy there. We're going to have a 23-year-old running back with, you know, 12 months to recover coming into next season with his MVP-caliber quarterback offensive line hopefully back healthy as well the, the Ravens just got decimated by injuries all season Andrews Hollywood you know Bateman at, at wide receiver and you know tight end to take some attention off this is going to be a top five scoring offense in my opinion and from a dynasty perspective I think J.K. Dobbins is still you know getting the uncertainty discount just because of the injury if it wasn't for the injury this is a guy that I'd have right up there with DeAndre Swift Javante Williams in that kind of second tier behind Jonathan Taylor among those young running backs I, I really like that that pick there. He was actually, if I, I threw three guys' names on my own list, he was one of them. Uh, I've talked about it myself and you know within the offseason. I like the points about Freeman because I think if we see the opportunity he had within the passing game as well, that's that's good signs for J.K. Dobbins, seeing one guy get some work, one guy be successful. I also like the fact that the Ravens are starting to become a little less predictable, right? They're opening up the pass game a little bit more. I think that's going to help J.K. Dobbins, uh, you know, in in situations where maybe they don't stack the box expecting a forced run. And also, uh, you mentioned the offense. Offense is going to be in good field positions. He's going to have chances to score, and, he, and he's good at capitalizing uh, on those chances. So I, I, I do like the J.K. Dobbins pick there. Uh, Coach Craig, same question. Who's a uh, buy low option that comes to mind for you? And if you want to have any uh, comments on J.K. Dobbins, have at it as well. I'll say with Dobbins too. I love I love the pick of Dobbins. I, he's a guy I held on to 
throughout the season, I kept getting offers after offers after offers. And we did see more of a willingness from Lamar Jackson to be uh, dumping that ball off to the running back position, staying in the pocket longer and doing that as well. So I think that bodes well for him going forward. Uh, for me, I went with Devonta Smith for the Eagles. If you look back at rookie seasons, it's kind of underrated just because we've seen Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and some of these other guys in recent in uh, Jalen Waddle, even if you want to throw him up there. But he still finished as wide receiver 30 in PPR this year. He had 64 catches for 100 or 916 yards and five touchdowns. He had four touchdowns that were called back due to penalty this year away from the play too. So say he gets over a thousand yards, nine touchdowns. We'd be talking about him in a lot different aspect here. And then you're either going to have an upgrade at quarterback or progression from Jalen Hurts. So I think it's only going to get better. Yeah, and I, I like the I like the point you mentioned with you know the the names of Justin Jefferson and and uh, Jamar Chase. Like we have these high expectations sometimes for a rookie having like a decent year versus like this this groundbreaking statistical uh, uh, massive breakout year. So uh, Corey, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Devonta Smith. I I I think I think again maybe. He didn't live up to some expectations, but maybe, you know, are the expectations a bit high? What's your thoughts on, on Smith? Yeah, Smith was a guy that I, I thought was like the most overscrutinized prospect coming out last year. He he clearly produced at a high level, even like Craig said, in the NFL when, you know, we're not used to seeing Chase and Jefferson's every, you know, day. And that's why they're, you know, all the way up at the top of the dynasty wide receiver rankings. What Devontae Smith was, you know, in the 75th, 80th, you know, whatever kind of percentile you want to put it into as his rookie season. I think he showed more than enough uh, to show that he could be, you know, a back end wide receiver, one high end wide receiver, two type by the second, third year of his, of his NFL career. All right. And, and I'll throw a, I'll throw mine in there. I have a couple uh, quick pointers on him, but there's, there's some risks behind it. And, you know, some people have voiced uh, recently on Twitter that they're out because of the risk, but uh, I threw Calvin Ridley on there and I know that there's, you know, speculation. Is he going to, is he going to play? Is he going to come back? Uh, is he going to be back on the Falcons? What's that going to look like? But I feel like a year ago before we knew what happened versus right now, the price differential makes me want to go grab him. Uh, people were just on another podcast. I think it was a fantasy footballers talking about a question that came in and said, Hey, I have the a mid to early second, you know, uh, should I, uh, take that for for Calvin Ridley or it might have been vice versa but it's so crazy to see the shift in the value but if we look at Calvin Ridley what he's done I mean this past season uh weeks two through four he had 10 plus targets in all uh three of those games he ranged from 14 uh to 19.3 fantasy points overall wide receiver five in 2020 he had five games of 21 plus fantasy points he averaged 19.4 in 2020 at eight games of over a hundred yards. So this is a guy that we know runs routes. Well, he, he, he commands a lot of targets. He, he's very productive when he's on the field for fantasy and just seeing that shift in the value. I, I I'm, I'm in for, for taking a stab, especially if you don't have to pay a lot. I was in a big, uh, like analyst, um, startup and I got him in the sixth round, which I, I thought was crazy because I think before he was going in like the third or fourth, um, uh, around there. I, I think so 27 years old. I, I'm, I'm taking the chance, but uh, you guys jump in. Am I off or are you guys on the same page? What's your thoughts, Kelvin Ridley? Yeah, no, no disagreements here. I think Calvin Ridley, if he were, you know, equated to a rookie draft pick this year, uh, if Wilson, uh, London and, and Burks are off the board that he'd be my next pick at wide receiver, despite the age, obviously discrepancy that he'd have with the other rookies. I think as high as the one Oh five, one Oh six is I'd be willing enough to give for him. So 
like I know it's 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 risky because it's off the field stuff and you know mental health and all that stuff. So we have no idea like what's going on in the dude's head. But if he's back on the field, which it sounds more and more like it's an Atlanta Falcons thing and not necessarily you know something that is going to keep him away from football altogether, I'm definitely willing to buy. And I doubt you're going to have to pay the 105, 106 for him. You'll probably be able to get him for the you know the 108 to 110 type of uh, rookie pick uh, if I had to guess. Coach, any any, any further thoughts on uh, Ridley? No, I, I think it's pretty much what you guys said. I think it's if you're able to get him right now, it's a pretty good thing. And and you're looking more towards the background, back end of that first round. And if you're if you where that risk is, there's not that much risk there this year. So it's like you might as well take a chance on Calvin Ridley, somebody that we've seen be a wide receiver one in the like as recently as last season. So I think there's a lot of advantage there. And then you know if he's not on the Falcons anymore, if he goes to a situation that's a little bit better, maybe an upgrade at quarterback. It could be even better. I think we're all on the same page there. We'll go to the next question. We got at Big Douglas Show. He asks, who is in a better position to regress, Burrow or Herbert? So I got a couple quick stats here, and then I'll I'll, I'll ask your guys' opinion on this one. But uh, fantasy finish. When I say fantasy finish, I'm looking at weeks 1 through 17. Justin Herbert, overall QB 2, 22.96 points per game. Joe Burrow, overall QB 5, 20.52 points per game. Herbert had 38 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Burrow had 34 and 14 interceptions. Uh, Herbert, 5,014 passing yards. Joe Burrow, 4,611 passing yards. This has been a pretty frequent uh, discussion in the the fantasy world is like uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. One guy played a little bit longer this year, right? Uh, other guy was was very very good in fantasy. So uh, I, they both were, they both were. But uh, Coach Craig, who who uh, do you see regressing? I guess more is in a better position. I'm going off the question. Better position to regress out of these two quarterbacks. Well, I think it depends on how you take the aspect of it too. Because if you're just talking about Herbert being the quarterback too, it's probably more likely that he regresses just because more people pass him up next year. Like there's a higher likelihood of that to happen because some of the other quarterbacks that were behind him weren't healthy the whole year. If we get a whole like year of Kyler Murray being healthy, he could surpass him with his rushing. If we get a whole year of Lamar Jackson being healthy, he could surpass him with his rushing too. But I think there's definitely a chance that both of them could regress to an extent too. Um, Bur, you know, Burrow, it could be if that offense line just doesn't get better. But Herbert, you also have the case that Mike Williams might not be there next year too as well. Good points all around there. We'll shift over to uh, to Corey. What's your what's your thoughts? Who who's in a better position to regress uh, between Burrow and Herbert? I'll take uh, from a fantasy perspective. I'll take Burrow just because the line, you know, as Craig said, it still stinks. It's probably not going to get you know a whole lot better in one off season. I'm sure they're going to address it at some point. But if they suffer some injuries at wide receiver next year, because you know they relatively didn't suffer any, uh, um, you know, Higgins, Boyd, and Chase all you know stayed healthy for the most part. If Chase misses four or five games here and there, Higgins misses four or five games here and there, then the offensive line will probably rear its ugly head for Joe Burrow. And I think he might have a tougher time rather than if Herbert lost, you know, Keenan Allen for a couple games. I do think Mike Williams is going to be back with the Chargers. And even if he's gone, I think they're probably going to use, you know, some kind of heavy investment in another wide receiver, whether it's their first round pick or, you know, another free agent or something like that. So I, I bet, you know, more so on Justin Herbert to maintain his level of play and maintain his fantasy production as opposed to Burrow, who I and I love both of these guys. They're both obviously very good quarterbacks, but I, I'd probably lean Herbert as the guy to you know stay at the top. All right. All right. Going to the next one here. We got at FF Dynasty Boy. He asks. It's a long one here, but we'll uh, we'll break it down. He says, which wide receiver is least vulnerable to a quarterback change? And then he puts in parentheses, 
Maybe, you know, for examples, Adams, if he stays in Green Bay, Deontay or Claypool, Judy Sutton, Patrick, etc. Which guy still, which guy can still be in a great situation regardless of what happens to their quarterback? So, uh, summarizing, which which wide receiver do you uh, trust to uh, not be affected as much by change if they had a change to their quarterback? So, Corey, who who comes to mind for you? Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming he's asking specifically about these teams that could experience some kind of quarterback turmoil this year. But uh, I think it's clearly Adams, obviously, just because he's the best receiver here. And secondly would be Deontay Johnson, because he's the only one among these other receivers that has shown the ability to command an elite target share. I loved Chase Claypool coming into this season. He disappointed. He didn't, you know, com- he didn't take that step forward. He didn't command more targets than he saw really as a rookie. And then Judy Sutton and Patrick, those guys, are all going to kind of eat into each other unless they get some kind of monster upgrade uh, grade at quarterback because none of those guys have really separated themselves uh, amongst each other. We haven't seen Judy take that step forward and you know become the alpha there. We Even when Sutton was alone on the field with Judy not there, he was still having a lot of games where he wasn't commanding a whole lot of targets. So regardless of quarterback change, I think Adams is clearly the one that's the least vulnerable, and then Deontay Johnson probably shortly right behind him. Yeah, I think that's a it's a good point there. I mean, those two guys are, uh, I think, in their their own world uh, outside of the other ones named. I mean, Judy, I, I I still I still got the faith in Judy, but what have we really seen out of Judy Sutton? He he's had some nice games in the past. Personally, I mean, I I I don't know. I was kind of discouraged this year, and with Claypool, um, little disappointing, especially when Juju was out of the mix there. But uh, these other two guys. Uh, Devonta Adams, I think many people still regard him as the most talented wide receiver. Maybe some people say he's top three, but he, he's top three, right? And then uh, with Deontay Johnson, you know, a lot of people have mentioned, uh, well, maybe the next quarterback won't look for him as much as Big Ben. But if we're really going to say that a change away from Big Ben is going to, you know, kill this guy who's been very good at getting open and, and actually been, you know, an, an improved pass catcher, I think that's uh, it's a little bit of a stretch there. But uh, Coach Craig, uh, what, what, what's your take on this uh, as far as guys that might have changed uh, quarterback rooms and in, in still being uh, successful? Yeah, so I, the answer is pretty much the same for me. The thing is, like with Devontae Adams, we've seen him be still successful with Brett Hundley at quarterback, and we like to assume that Jordan Love is better than Brett Hundley, at least at this point. We would like to assume that. I'm not sure that's a guarantee, but we'd like to assume that at least. And then Deontay Johnson, we've seen him be – somewhat relevant with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, you know, his rookie season. So uh, definitely those two are the ones that really stand out there. And Denver, you hope that the quarterback situation gets better. So as compared to the other ones that maybe get worse, you could argue if Pittsburgh actually gets worse or not, but that's a whole nother story for a different day. I was about to say, we can turn that into a whole separate uh, podcast right, right there. I, uh, this, so this question made me think of, uh, one of my guys uh, the last year or two, so I want to make sure I shout him out. Uh, he's not to the same level as Devontae Adams. He, I mean, he, he's not. But I want to shout out Brandon Cooks, man. I want to shout out Brandon Cooks because when we talk about a changing quarterback situation, this guy has known that his entire career. He jumped from the Saints to the Patriots to the Rams to the Texans, and I know he's had Drew Brees and Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson, but he's also had Jared Goff and then Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills. Uh, I don't think having Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor for any uh, wide receiver, uh, if you had them for fantasy before the season, knowing that you probably were a little bit nervous, but for Brandon Cook still balled out. He's had uh, six of his eight seasons over a thousand receiving yards, six of his eight seasons with 114 plus targets. He's mostly been inside the top 20 for fantasy for most of his career. So if we talk about changing 
uh, quarterback rooms. I always think about Brandon Cooks, one of my guys, one of my guys. But uh, yeah, good points all around. Uh, next question for my guy, Shotgun Fantasy at Shotgun Fantasy. Who is the bigger dynasty trap going into 2022? Is it Dalton Schultz or Amon Ross St. Brown? And I'm just going to spit out a bunch of stuff and then ask you which guy uh, comes to mind for this question. So Amon Ross St. Brown, if we count week 18, Amon Ross scored 23.5 or better fantasy points in five out of six of his last games with the outlier being 15.3. So I, I'm talking about PPR scoring here. Uh, weeks 15 through 17, a.k.a. the fantasy playoffs. Not only was he the wide receiver one, but he was a second highest scoring player behind Joe Burrow during those weeks. And then we look at Dalton Schultz, uh, tight end four overall weeks one through 17. He averaged 12 fantasy points. Uh, he had a lot of success working up the middle of the field, right? With those other guys in the system, four fantasy weeks above 17 fantasy points. Uh, he's going to be a free agent, um, which can mean many different things, but uh, we'll start with uh, coach Craig on this one. Uh, who is the bigger dynasty trap between these players? Um, a lot of this just comes down to ADP where you're drafting with and who you're drafting with too. Cause I know I'm keeps going up and up and up and up and up, you know? So part of me wants to say that just based on the ADP, uh, part of me wants to say Dalton Schultz too, if he ends up leaving Dallas, cause I don't think the situation for him is going to be much better anywhere else he goes. It could be a little bit of an Austin Hooper effect as well. Yeah. I was actually uh, speaking to Austin Hooper. I, I tweeted out something today that, uh, you know, is, is John is the 2021 John New Smith, uh, the new like worst case scenario for tight ends because of what happened with him. But uh, don't bring up Johnny point. Smith, man. Yeah, I'm 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 triggering a lot of uh, triggering a lot of people with that today. Maybe <laughs> maybe yourself included, Corey. What's your what's your thoughts on this? Um, it's got to be the tight end for me. Like it, tight end in general is it the theme and trend for middle tier tight end one production. So not the elite guys. It varies year over year. We think about the guys who it was last year. It was Schultz. It was Knox. It was, you know, these guys in the middle tier of tight end ones. And then two years ago, it was completely different names. Logan Thomas, Robert Tunyon, you know, Johnny Smith, Jared Cook, Hunter Henry. Two years, like, you know, again, two years before that, Jared Cook and, you know, all these different guys. It just varies really, you know, a lot year over year. If he's back in Dallas, I, he, like, he could be good again for fantasy, but it would really not shock me if he's the tight end 16 in points per game. At this time, you know, a year from now, we're like, oh, Dalton Schultz was a complete bust. I know, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown is the more expensive piece in this, you know, question. And he's the one that's going to, you know, cost you more if he is, in fact, the dynasty trap. But he proved the ability to command volume, which is really all you can ask for out of a rookie wide receiver. Yeah, you know, Swift and Hawkinson were off the field for the majority of the time, and they might add more receiving talent around him. But the bottom line is he did it. It's the same thing I said about Brandon Ayuk last year when everybody was, you know, talking about how Debo was off the field and, you know, Kittle was off the field. Obviously that kind of proved to be true, but that's just because those guys are phenomenal. Not anything to do with Brandon Ayuk. You still got to make the plays at the end of the day, right? Against NFL defenses. So I think a lot of people, you know, look for the reasons why somebody's successful without actually like noting that they were successful at getting open and catching the ball and scoring touchdowns. So uh, I think there's a lot of good points in that. Obviously a price difference between these two guys, but uh, you mentioned, you know, Schultz with the potential could he be you know tight end five or could he be tight end 16 and what is tight end 16 average a game like seven points or something like that for the tight end position uh, you know I, I I think it's uh that's a good point in itself and again we mentioned Johnny Smith could he could he go down that path and end up being in a in a in a really bad situation or could he you know land with Justin Herbert in you know uh Los Angeles so there's a lot a, lot, a big variety of, of range for that one too 
Um, but that's it. Uh, good points all around there. Uh, next one is from my buddy Kevin, my co-host during the season at the boys underscore 22. Yes. What is your favorite dynasty startup draft strategy? So he's asking when you're joining a new dynasty league and you're in that dynasty draft, what's a good strategy to have? Corey, what comes to mind for dynasty startup draft strategy? I know the simple answer that a lot of people probably already know about because dynasty has been around long enough is trading down in the startup. A lot of people know that, you know, you should probably try and trade down, acquire, you know, 2023 first because it's supposed to be a very good class. I like to just put it, you know, kind of simply that I like to acquire value, whether that's trading up or down. So knowing where your, you know, your tier breaks are, uh, especially at quarterback and super flex leagues, that's definitely huge and maintaining flexibility. So if you're at the, you know, tail end of the first round in your startup draft and you could start your draft off with a bunch of young foundational players, that is what I'm looking to do. So I'm not really usually looking to take, you know, Nick Chubbs and Dalvin Cooks who are already in their primes that kind of pigeonholes you into trying to compete right away. If you go with DeAndre Swift and Javante Williams at the one, two turn, then you can pivot yourself to a, you know, rebuilding type of strategy and then look to trade down, acquire future draft capital and move on from there. Or if you realize the rest of your league mates are taking all the young wide receivers and, you know, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, all these guys that are in their primes already are just sliding, sliding, sliding down the board. Then you have young running backs and also, you know, win now type of wide receivers to help yourself compete. So maintaining flexibility, especially in the early rounds is my favorite dynasty strategy by far, it, it, whether it's, and usually it's acquiring young wide receivers, young quarterbacks and young running backs early. A lot of good points there. A lot of good points there. And, uh, um, one of the early points I liked was the, the tears point, because I feel like that, helps you realize like where you are in the draft. Like uh, if, if I have these three wide receivers in the same tier and I'm really targeting one, but none of them get taken, then I don't have to trade up necessarily. Right. Maybe I can trade down or uh, maybe I can, you know, address a different position. I think reading the boards important too, but uh, I don't want to ramble here. Uh, Coach Craig, what comes to mind? Dynasty startup draft strategy. Yeah. And I think a lot of Corey said it was uh, pretty spot on for me as well. I'm always trying to move back back for the most part, acquire value or picks. And especially if I was doing like a startup right now, I'd try to begin as many 2023 picks as I could. Um, there was a startup about two years ago. I actually had like the fourth pick and I just moved down. I didn't even draft any a single player till the fourth round where I ended up taking J.K. Dobbins. And I ended up owning 11 of the first 18 picks oh. in the rookie draft the next year. So and my quarterbacks were pretty set up. So I ended up with like Javante Williams, Najee Harris. I ended up with ETN who I, fly, I flipped him for like DJ Moore plus something else too. So like you just, if you can load up on like one draft class, especially if that draft class is a talented one too, you have more shots. So even because not everybody's going to hit first of all, but you have more shots to get those guys. And then even once you had those guys, either before that with the pick becoming more valuable or once you draft the player and somebody else really likes the player, then it becomes more valuable as well. And then for me also, I find myself in more of like a modified zero RB approach too, because I don't really value running backs too highly. Like in startup drafts, I'm trying to kind of build my quarterbacks, try to build my young wide receivers and then just draft running backs in like rookie drafts in the coming years. Yeah. I, I don't usually touch running backs after like round three or four because they're all gone, all the good ones. And then you're, you know, you're deciding between Damian Harris and, you know, a young wide receiver that's going to hold their value a lot longer. And, you know, give me the young wide receiver at that point. The the one thing I will caution people to do is again, like you mentioned, if you can trade down and acquire future draft capital, that's all well and good. But the problem is that strategy is becoming a little cliche now. And I feel like every startup that I'm in, at least, and again, this depends on knowing your league and you know who you're drafting with, 
but everybody gets on the clock and they go, who wants this pick? You know, I'm looking to trade down, but nobody's looking to trade up. So at that point, it almost makes sense to trade up because people are going to sell low on this. If the whole, you know, draft strategy, the entire 12 people in the draft is to sell their draft picks and, uh, you know, move down the board, then it's worth it for you to give up a 2022 second or something like that to go up and get, you know, Trey Lance at quarterback when there's a tear break of the young quarterbacks off the board. And I, I really do think a lot of people will make that mistake of only looking to trade down because it is, you know, very popular jargon for us types to talk about trading down all the time, but a lot of people are catching on to it. So I would, you know, caution you to know your league and know who you're drafting with. If it's guys from the office that, you know, don't follow dynasty content at all, that strategy will work perfectly. But if you meet them in a discord, like, you know, the fantasy stock exchange discord, they probably know that because we talk about it all the time. So uh, then you got to modify your strategy a little bit. Yeah, that reading the room is is, is huge. Uh, I totally agree with that because you might go in with a certain strategy and sometimes the strategy looks good on paper and it was completely unnecessary to make these moves to to get this guy or to go down and, and uh, you know, grab value later when it wasn't even necessary to do so. But then, uh, you know, again, I was in a startup draft with some re- really, uh, really nice analysts. I was with, uh, I don't know, I, I can spit all these guys' names off, but the amount of, moves that were being made, you kind of had to figure out your strategy like on the spot right there, just because guys were trading up and guys were trying to get future picks as soon as round one, you know, and, and it was, uh, it was interesting to see, but knowing the room kind of playing the board and seeing how the draft is going. Uh, also what you think is going to happen is probably not going to happen in the draft. So uh, just having your pivots, that's, that's important too with the uh, dynasty startups, but that's a, again, a whole podcast can be featured on that because there's so many different routes to go with that. I like that question a lot. Uh, next question on the list here. Uh, my guy, Troy King at T King mode. He asks, who are some sleeper tight ends for 2022? You mentioned tight ends earlier. They can really range year to year. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kick things off here and, I wanted to be, you know, like a Bears homer and and talk about Cole Komet or something a little bit here, but I'm, I'm going to go to uh to Houston and I'm going to mention uh, Brevin Jordan. So his first snaps were Week Eight. Uh, so if you looked at Weeks Eight through Seventeen, here's some of his weekly finishes for the tight end position, which again might have been ten points, it might have been twenty points, but this is how, how it looked: Week Eight, tight end five; Week Twelve, tight end twelve; Week Fourteen, tight end six. Week 16, tight end 11. So from weeks 8 through 17, he had a handful of tight end one finishes, which I think is impressive for a rookie in a kind of tricky situation. He had three touchdowns during that span as well. Uh, Miami, where he came from in college, he was really good after the catch. Uh, I, If I look back, I think I had him as my tight end two out of the class, and we know Big Pat was uh, was a really nice tight end this year. So uh, Brevin Jordan, I think the opportunity is there with uh, the Houston Texans. I mean, right now, as of today, there's Cooks, there's Nico Collins, and maybe him, maybe Cooks is not there. We're not sure. But with the situation wide open, having flashes of tight end one finishes, um, I'm going to go with Brevin Jordan as a, a sleeper here. But uh, Coach Craig, any thoughts on Brevin Jordan? Then, then uh, go into your guy. Yeah, so I, he was on my list. I put not a homer pick behind it because, unfortunately, I am a Texans fan. So, uh, But we've seen a lot of their offense not push the ball down the field very much this year, dump off to the running backs, dump off to the tight ends, throw kind of short passes too. So we'll see if that's still kind of the way with Davis Mills next year. I'm assuming he's the quarterback. Uh, Brevin Jordan was actually the number one high school recruit coming out of – or number one college recruit coming out of high school. He was actually one spot above Kyle Pitts too. So oh. not everybody knows that. There we go. But, um, 
Yeah, he obviously had a pretty good career at Miami. Didn't test quite as well as some people thought. He's kind of, you know, they kind of brought him along slowly too. And I believe he's the only tight end under contract for the Texans next year. I know Farrell Brown is going to be a free agent. I know Jordan Aikens should have been cut anyways, but <laughs> that's a whole other story for a different yep. day. And for, most people don't realize how old Jordan Aikens actually is. He's like 29 years old already because he played professional baseball for about three years before he went to UCF. So, um, the other, I have two tight ends here that I list, and they were both rookies this year too. So Kylan Granson for the Colts, you know, Jack Doyle, Moali Cox, they're both free agents at this point in time. He has some athletic upside, still kind of development as a tight end because he played, uh, so let's see, because it was SMU the last two years he was at, correct? Yep. And he played a wide receiver at Rice two years before that. I always get those two mixed up because he played wide receiver for two years, then he went and transferred there and played tight end. So I think he's got a lot of upside there, depending on how they use him, depending on who comes in at quarterback, depending if they add to that tight end room. Obviously, they're going to add somebody, but if it's better competition than him. And then the other one I do have was kind of a weird one this year. It was Hunter Long for the Dolphins. Oh, you tuck my dude, man. I yeah, don't think I like it. I like it. <laughs> I don't think Gesicki's coming back. I and I and personally, like I feel like Gesicki's one of the biggest traps in Dynasty right now. Because the dude is not a real tight end. Like he played less than 10% of his snaps in line this year. Like he literally played slot and wide receiver the whole year. So I feel like he's a major trap and this is probably going to be the best year he's ever going to have too. But I, Hunter Long was just really weird this year because there's games where he play some and then he'd be like healthy scratch and then just back and forth all year with him. And God, I think it was Adam Shaheen, him and him and Adam Shaheen went back and forth like the whole year. But I think he has some upside there. Obviously, if that offensive line doesn't give much better, there's going to be a lot of quick, short passing once again, though. Yeah, Hunter Long was my tight end, too, last year. Unfortunately, higher than Pat Fryermuth, which didn't you know age very well. But Hunter Long, to me, he, the, all he did in college was was command targets. So I really liked, you know, if he has to fill Mike Kosicki's role, I, I assume that's why they drafted him, because they didn't want to re-sign Mike Kosicki. Mm -hmm. Then I think he would do a good job. He played a lot from the slot in college as well. He could just, you know, absorb that you know, six to seven target per game role that we saw to Mike Isicki for most of the year. I don't know if he's necessarily going to do that in year two because he didn't do a whole lot his first year. It's not like he's, you know, a wide receiver and we're expecting more out of him, but uh, he was more of like a deep sleeper. My actual sleeper is a guy that a lot of people were very, very high on last year, similar to JK Dobbins suffered a season ending injury. I think Irv Smith could bounce back big time. All the hype coming into last year kind of already has come and gone. People kind of forgot about him. You have Ken, uh, Kevin O'Connell coming in who runs, you know, at least more of a pass-friendly scheme, more of a pass-heavy scheme than what we were used to in Minnesota. And the offensive coordinator coming in as a former tight ends coach, I don't know what that all means, but it could mean more, uh, you know, targets and more snaps for Irv Smith. At the end of 2020, when Kyle Rudolph was still there, we saw Irv Smith assert himself as the starting tight end. He's still an athletic dude who could be this year's like Dawson Knox, a young player that everybody forgot about, comes out in a pretty, what we expect to be a good offense with, you know, Jefferson, Cook, and, Cousins and all those guys there, young uh, tight end kind of comes out of nowhere and is able to produce for fantasy. I like Irv Smith as a guy that you could probably get. I, I think there was another question that asked um, uh, a player you could trade a third round pick for. I think Irv Smith is a guy, if you need a tight end, that you could probably get for a late third round rookie pick as well. Coach Craig, uh, any any thoughts to you about Irv Smith? Yeah, that was a good one. I think I almost put him down as uh, one of my breakouts for 2022, just because like we saw that flash at the end there, they're probably going to, I think they'll go back to using more two tight end sets again too. And he's a guy that can play a little bit in the slot and everything too. And even with the knee injury, 
it was a torn meniscus. It wasn't like an ACL where it's like a, you know, nine to 12 month recovery yeah. period. It's a shorter period than that. So he should be good to go right from the start next year. I think what, what you look for in, in tight ends, a lot of the times, if you, you know, check the boxes of being very athletic and profiling as a pass catcher, then that stands out to me. So I'm, I'm with the, the Irv Smith call. I've been a, been a fan of his too. Um, obviously you wanted the separation from Kyle Rudolph when he got it, uh, got injured, but again, he, he profiles as that guy who can handle lining up in some different places and handling some volume. So I, I, I do like that, that pick as well. Th- this one, we can go through this one quick. This is a, it's a non-fantasy question here. So I, this is, uh, my brother, it's his birthday today. So shout out to Anthony, but he, uh, he, when we have some, some, uh, sodas and, and have some friends, over uh he asks this question when he's feeling good sometimes but uh at ff tyler o asks what's the largest animal you'd f- you'd feel comfortable beating in a fight what's the smallest animal you wouldn't fight so it's a two-part question just give me give me one of these answers so uh the largest animal you can beat in a fight or the smallest animal you wouldn't fight uh Coach Craig, what's what's your answer answer for either one of these questions? Unless you just can quick fire spit out both, whatever you want to do. Yeah, no, this is a weird question. Uh, Analysis. I, I, I really don't want to fight any animal. Yeah, <laughs> there, I mean, yeah there, there you go. All right, so so uh, that's your answer. Is no animal? Yeah, I'd, I'd rather just All not right. fight any animals. All right, so 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 Coach Craig is opting out of the animal fighting season. Corey, what about yourself, man? Yeah, Craig went with the PETA answer there. Um, <laughs> I'd probably say largest animal. I don't know, man. I, I'm not I'm not very scrappy with animals. They kind of screw with me a little bit. So I'd say give me like a squirrel or something. Like I'm not trying to mess around and fight like a coyote or something like that. I think that's a little bit too crazy. Uh, smallest animal that I absolutely would not fight. Uh, possum, opossum, whatever you want to call them. That was Those my answer. Those that was my answer. Vicious. That thing will rip your face off. That's a small animal, but it'll kill you. So I ain't fighting one of those. Those things, like we had one that ran up to our back kitchen door one time, and I'm like flashing my phone, almost shit my pants because you see the, this thing with like fangs and like hands, and it they like hiss at you all the time. That that was my answer. I would not want to fight a possum. Uh, I think people over exaggerate the 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 largest animal that they could fight. Yeah, they're like, I the could planet. fight a baby panda bear or something. I'm like, you get your head <laughs> yeah, taken no, off. No, so. exactly. They're like, yeah, a small brown bear or something. I'm like, no, you you would not. You would not. You wouldn't fight the small guy at the bar. You wouldn't fight a you know a small brown bear. So uh, that's a f- interesting question. Interesting question. You, Before, oh, go ahead. Have you ever heard the story of how Arian Foster said he could fight a wolf? No. There, no. just look it up sometime there's like there's a bunch of videos about it but like it was a couple years back and he like was legit about it he's like i could take a wolf i mean he's a he's a large man but i mean what what he cares about and what the wolf cares about are probably two very different things when, yeah, yeah. It comes to getting... did you, well did you see the there was like an article about some guy who fought off a lion that was attacking his wife or something like that and mike gundy who's uh the head coach i can't remember what college he's the head coach of but he just quote tweeted the tweet and just said compete <laughs> it's like Jeez. the funniest thing I've ever seen. This guy just fought a lion off of his wife, and this college coach is just like, "Yeah, that's the type of dude I want manning my fullback position." Jeez, sign this guy now. Sign this guy yeah. now. Uh, all right, be- hey, back to some fantasy uh, football here. So at Duchesne's underscore asks best running back target at the moment, and I know we've mentioned uh, J.K. Dobbins already. Um, I'm not sure if that was going to be someone's answer uh, again or a different answer. Uh, I'm going to spit out mine, you, and then I'll let you guys answer. But you guys, let me know if I'm I'm off, right? 
because he's a very polarizing player right now. Now there's reports that uh, he could be traded, and there's like a bunch of turmoil there, and he did not look great on the field. I'm talking about uh, Saquon Barkley. I, I think that I think that his price. Again, I, I always for dynasty I look at what's price today versus tomorrow, or what's price today versus what it used to be. And I think Saquon Barkley having you know two injury riddled seasons after having two seasons above a thousand rushing yards and seeing this guy catch a crazy amount of passes in his rookie season, and we know the athletic ability. We've seen him at his peak, maybe not his peak. Maybe we've seen him at his highs, I guess, for performances. Again, didn't look great this year. The situation is a little murky. And and to me, when we all thought a year ago or two years ago when he was healthy that Saquon Barkley was the dynasty RB1 or maybe the dynasty RB2, and for him to shift on a lot of people's rankings to like RB12 to 14, I think that opens again a, a window where I'm interested because I think if he can shift back to even a glimpse of what he was before, then it's it's worth it for me to get him as my RB2 in Dynasty because he probably wasn't on my team already. So I'm going to go with Barkley just because of all these weird question marks. A lot of people are out, out right now, and, and I've seen the, the dual threat running back in the past. But, uh, Corey, I'm shifting to you. You can tell me I'm crazy. You can agree, and then let us know your, uh, your running back target. So I'll give my actual running back target after, but I'm going to group another running back in with the Saquon Barkley discussion because Christian McCaffrey is the same exact case. Elite yeah. running back, you know, injuries, whatever. Saquon Barkley was being ramped up from the ACL. They said they were going to do it. It happened at the beginning of the season. He started off, you know, 40, 50% of the snaps. By game three, four, he was back up to his normal workload. He was back up to a workhorse running back on the field, all three downs, pass protection, receiving work, everything his. And then he suffered another injury. And everybody might be like, oh, you know, classic Saquon Barkley getting injured again, but that's classic every running back. Every running back gets injured all the time. So in fact, there's a there's a strategy around not drafting running backs because running backs get injured all the time. So if you don't like the fact that Saquon Barkley gets injured, I mean, the same concerns were got uh, for injuries were what we said about Joe Mixon and Austin Eckler coming into this year who both finished as top three running backs. So it really is luck of the draw with these running backs if they're going to get injured or not. So Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey are two guys that you know when they're on the field are going to get full workloads and in McCaffrey's case is going to break fantasy football. Absolutely, absolutely with um, McCaffrey. I think I think some people are catching on and saying he can he can finishes the running back one again in this this coming season. Some people you continuously see all the time to say that he's injury prone and he does nothing but get hurt. So there's this weird back and forth all the time and sometimes in your own dynasty league you're going to have the man, the current manager is going to be one way or the other and probably not a much you know much in between but uh was that was that your your pick or did you have a uh, different re- guy real quick on the the ticky tacky injuries we can't predict them right like oh, the no. ankles and the knees and stuff like as long as you know Saquon had the the major injury obviously but as long as we're not talking about Cam Akers Achilles here like there is no medical backing to people fading Christian McCaffrey outside of the fact that he has a big workload and is therefore more likely to get injured. But that's basically my thoughts on him. I, I, I took this question in a bit of a different direction because uh, it just said RB target. Yeah. I think Tyler Algier is going to blow up the combine uh, in the next coming days. And he's a guy, if you have your rookie draft before the NFL draft, is a guy that I'm willing to invest in because I think he's going to get drafted on the first two days of the NFL draft. And if he, um, you know, if he does, then he's going to skyrocket up to the Trey Sermon, Michael Carter range where those guys were going last year at the back end of the first round, early second round. But right now you can get him, you know, mid to late second round, sometimes even in the third round 
We're talking about, you know, a 220 plus. This guy's all of 220. He played linebacker most of his career at BYU. The chase down punch out. I'm sure everybody's seen it that Tyler Algier did uh, to a defensive back that was trying to return a pick six is impressive. He's all of that size. He's going to run fast. He can catch the ball. He has a lot of receiving production. He was able to make people miss in college contact balance off the charts, pass protection off the charts, everything about this dude screams. He can do everything well. And the guy that I said that about last year happened to be the best rookie pick after the second round in Elijah Mitchell, who was my RB five in the class. So I'm going to stick to my guns. I was about to say, he's saying right there, I got receipts. I got receipts. This is, this is Corey's guy here. Coach Craig, any, any thoughts on anybody mentioned and then shift into your pick? Oh man, I love Tyler Algier. He's actually on my list as one of my guys too. So, and supposedly there's a rumor that he runs sub four, four. I don't know if I believe that, but he's still he runs four or five flat at two twenty five. I don't really care what, like that's, that's, that's way to scary. Justin speed score above a hundred. I don't really care. I mean, he doesn't need to run four three for me to like him. I, I would have liked him if he ran four five five at two twenty five. Enough said. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's I like that you brought up the pass catching thing too because he's very underrated in that area. And even like you, and it was the biggest thing I want to see this year is okay, Zach Wilson's gone. So now what are you going to do? Like, are is it going to change? And they lost like three offense alignment too. So they lost Brady Christensen and two guards. So what is this going to look like once you're done? Came out, played even better, and had like 23 rushing touchdowns. So I'm all on board in him. Uh, and another running back target I like in the rookie drafts too right now, I like Isaiah Spiller just because everybody's so hyped up on Brees Hall and everybody's so hyped up on Kenny at the Walker right now. So I think there could be some value with that, especially by the time we get around to draft season. I have Spiller as my RB1 and, and Algier as my RB3 right now. So, And I, I think Algier is a better prospect all around than Kenneth Walker legitimately. So... That's that's kind of my thoughts on those guys, and then I'll I'll let you, you know, take it away, Nick. <laughs> no, that's no, that's uh, you know what you you guys you guys are ahead of me with. I got a notebook that I've been writing like notes, you know, a little here, a little there. The last like handful of weeks, my computer's about to die. No, uh, I'll plug it in, <laughs> in a second. But uh, you guys are a little bit ahead. Next question, and I'll I'll go straight to Coach Craig while I go get my charger out of my bag. But it's uh, at uh, Nate Polvo. Happy birthday to him as well. Where are you guys at on Davis Mills? And oh, this is your your hometown hero right here. But go into that. Go ahead. I'll, I'll be there. Oh my God. Uh, this is the hard one for me because Davis Mills was a guy I was not high on coming into last year's draft. I thought they reached on him. I was on live stream face palming when they picked him. First of all, I had a lot of questions about him. It was better than I thought but Pep Hamilton is the QB whisperer. So it'll be interesting what happens this year there. I feel like they're obviously going to give him a year to see what happens and then kind of go from there. But I'm not trying to go out and put him on any of my dynasty teams at this point in time, at least. So much Bucks disrespect there. Not only did you call your quarterback coach, the QB whisperer, which everybody knows is the Bucks head coach. And two, you didn't draft Kyle Trask. That's who we drafted. You were face palming when you drafted Davis Mills. I had to see, watch my team draft Kyle Trask. Uh, but nice. anyway, Davis Mills, he showed enough that he's going to get another crack at the starting job. I think he's a one-year rental for a dynasty roster. I don't think he's going to win the job long-term. Maybe he surprises. He obviously was very talented coming out of high school. He was like a five-star recruit. But uh, I, I just don't think he has what it takes to be a, a relevant fantasy quarterback or hold down an NFL job. The... Uh... I think if you're in a super flex league, right? If he's your QB three, maybe he fills in one week. But if you stacked up on quarterbacks, 
you might have somebody knowing that they're going to play this next season willing to pay you something that you can actually utilize because you probably won't start Davis Mills in your lineup on a given week, right? Even if he has a, a decent, decent week. I had I had some rant. So I was I was doing some data dives, right? And I was looking at uh, pa- uh, quarterback upside and it was two different categories. It was passing upside, what I look or what we can look for and rushing upside. And I was looking at the passing upside and looking at uh, the amount of games quarterbacks had 300 plus passing yards. And uh, it was interesting to see that Mills had four, which was more than Mac Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. And it was tied with Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan. So it was interesting to see he had some decent games this year. Uh, so uh, to your point, I think he's going to get another crack. Another another part of that passing upside, I uh, looked at quarterbacks with uh, three plus touchdowns. How many weeks did a quarterback have three or more touchdowns? He had, he had two of those, which is more than guys like Derek Carr and Jimmy G and Jalen Hurts. So, I mean, he had a little bit of passing upside. So, I think he did earn himself a, a job. So, uh, do so we're, we're thinking next year and then probably done or any chance of him being a long-time starter? He'd really have to take a big step up, I feel like. And going back, coming out of high school, he was the number one quarterback recruit coming out of high school, one spot above Tua. So that was the biggest thing, like really for him coming into the draft last year, because he really only made 11 career starts at Stanford. And so like, I thought he should have stayed in school, but it turned out all right. It seems like they built the offense around him kind of trying to suit his strengths and not make him trying to make too many reads and too many decisions, which sometimes was a struggle for him at Stanford. Yeah. And my biggest DFS win of the year was a Davis Mills, Brandon Cooks with Michael Pittman on the way back. Yeah, it was my biggest DFS win of the year. And I had Davis Mills in my DFS article as my uh my tournament play in large field. And I got like I think it was like 500, 600 bucks. Jeez. Off of that, that, uh, that, that being like a top 10 finish in one of the tournaments. But yeah. yeah. Uh Davis Mills, yeah. Again, I wish he was the Bucks quarterback right now because I got to deal with Kyle Trask potentially, but Ugh. um, that's where I'm at on him for sure. One year rental. He's also really good if you want to throw him into a trade because I do think he's a little overvalued in Dynasty right now because yeah. people are talking themselves into yep. him being the long term uh, solution there, which I think is maybe 10, 15 percent chance of happening because this you know regime didn't draft him. They're you know they're not there or whatever. So I think if Davis Mills, you can throw him in plus a second round pick and go buy low on like Zach Wilson instead, I think you're probably in a much better situation there. Absolutely. Versus just holding him as your, your quarterback four or something in a super flex league. But yeah. uh, I, I like that. I like that DFS call right there. Cause it's not like you're like, I want a bunch of money. I stacked Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, or I stacked, you know, Mahomes and Kelsey. And I want a bunch of cash. You literally just flexed. I stacked Davis Mills and Brandon cooks. I like sub that. 1% Davis Mills too. <laughs> just rolling with it. I lo- love yeah. it. Love it. All right, last question, and uh, we can just run through this one quick because I want to make sure we close things out and let everybody know again where to find you guys. Uh, at WyattBFF, uh, it's at WyattB underscore FF. Who's your favorite player in Dynasty that can be bought for a third-round rookie pick or less? Corey, you did mention Irv Smith uh, earlier. Um, I'm going to throw out a point to uh, attack some trades before free agency hits because when guys land on new teams, there's a bunch of wide receivers that are probably decent flex plays, right? So if you had a late third, this is what this guy threw down. Maybe it's a long shot, but I threw like Russell Gage down is if I had like a late third that maybe is in a one quarterback league and I just threw it out there uh, or a mid third. And, and you look at the teams like lions, Eagles, Patriots, Falcons, bears, Browns, Jags, dolphins, saints, commanders, they all need 
wide receivers. And one of these free agents guys that cost nothing right now lands on one of those teams, their value is going to take a little bit of a bump. So maybe target a free agent that, you know, is not Chris Godwin or something like that. That's, that's what I wrote down, but uh, rant over coach, coach Craig, uh, who comes to mind? So this one could kind of be based off what you're saying too. And I think it's a guy that a lot of people are frustrated with. It's a guy that missed most of last year with injury. It's Will Fuller. If you go back to two years ago, wide receiver eight and PPR points per game. And if you did like a startup last year and you drafted Will Fuller, you probably don't want him on your team because of last year. So I think there's a decent chance that you can still get him for like a third round pick at this point in time. And just because people, and yes, there's the injury history there. One year he missed, what was it is I think it was nine games from the ACL, which was a cheap shot by a Dolphins defender after he crossed the pie line. Then the year after that, he had the hamstring issues, which is common after having an ACL is having some of those soft tissue leg injuries. And then he had the good year, but then there was the PEDs, obviously the suspension for that. And then he came back last year, had a weird break in his finger dolphins. Some, there was something going on in that dolphins front office too. And he's just like, I don't want to be there essentially too. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. If you can get him as a buy low right now, like he's going as like wide receiver 63 in dynasty ECR right now, according to fantasy pros. So probably could get him for a third round pick. There you go. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great call. I think that's a great call. Will Fuller. Like you said, he was like a, a legit difference-making wide receiver in fantasy, not just like a guy that you could flex. Like he was a top option at, in fantasy when Deshaun Watson was on the field. I don't know what Will Fuller's got left in the tank as far as injuries. I don't know if he's ever going to be back with Deshaun Watson again. But what I do know is that the late third round, you're probably not getting anything of value anyway. So if you can yeah. get a guy like Will Fuller, I actually, before the season started, I traded Will Fuller and Nico Collins for Rashad Bateman which I think probably worked out pretty well. I actually yeah. then flipped yeah. Rashad Bateman plus Mac Jones for Justin Fields in a third round pick. So I got some investment in your Chicago boy oh, in one yeah. of my, uh, in one of my dynasty leagues. But um, one other guy that I want to just throw out uh, quickly as a guy that I could buy for a third round pick. I, I, I just watched Sam Howell's 2020 tape and I don't know how Deami Brown was so bad his rookie year. I, I don't, I, I honestly don't understand. He was my wide receiver six in the class. I had him and Amon Ross St. Brown back-to-back in my rankings. I had both of them ahead of Rondell Moore and Terrace Marshall, and and those guys were towards the latter half of my rankings. I thought De'Ami Brown was going to come in, make a big impact in Washington. There was targets available with Logan Thomas, especially going down. Curtis Samuel not playing at all this year. He had the opportunity. He face-planted. But a late third-round pick on a wide receiver prospect that had a good profile, was productive in college, and is going to get a quarterback upgrade most likely this year. I don't think he's ever going to become an elite wide receiver, but he was a guy that I, I pegged as kind of like a deep threat anyway. So if yeah. he can work alongside Terry McLaurin as like a flex play, they turned, you know, Ron Rivera and his staff had turned Curtis Samuel into like a flex play in the past. And I know Curtis Samuel is still there, but I do think De'Ami Brown can have some value as like a wide receiver three. I think he's a great pick in late round of best ball as well. Yeah, I think if you if you weigh, again, mid to late third, what that can be, the mystery box that's like, a mini shoebox or a guy that you already had faith in, you you go with the guy you had faith in that might profile as just a flex play, but we need those flex plays for depth and for occasional usage anyways in dynasty. So uh, I I'm down for that. That's especially with the third round picks, man. I, I think a lot of people think they're going to grab, you know, the, the, again, Elisha Mitchell's or, um, you know, in some one quarterback leagues, we saw like, Gibson back in the day going like early third round, but uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's less likely for that to actually be a thing, you know? Um, but Hey, we're, we're getting close to the, uh, the hour mark here 
Really good show, guys. I like doing the mailbag show uh, once every couple of weeks because I feel like too often we get caught up talking about the same stuff over and over again. So I like to ask the community, like, what are you guys thinking? Like, what needs to be answered? So uh, thank you guys if you submitted questions, if you listened. I want to go around the room one more time. Uh, we'll start with you, Corey. Again, where can we find you and anything you want to plug that's uh, coming up for you? Yep. Uh, Twitter's at football stock. Um, you know exactly how it sounds. YouTube fantasy stock exchange. We got uh, some exciting news. I'm not actually at Liberty to, to divulge that news uh, yet. I'll let my you know partner uh, do that when that time comes, but it'll be really exciting. So stay tuned for that. Like right. I said, fantasy stock exchange on YouTube. We're approaching 10,000 subscribers pretty soon. I uh, appreciate if you guys haven't checked this out, go ahead and, and do that. I dropped the tale of the tape series uh, video for Sam Howell today, breaking down everything from his fantasy, you know, outlook, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to be surprised with what I said about him because he is currently my quarterback one in the class. Anyway, the, uh, the YouTube's, like I said, Patreon's in the description of my, uh, Twitter. If you go there, there's a link tree with my Patreon and, you know, sponsors and all that kind of stuff that you can check out. All right. All right. And, uh, coach Craig again, where can we find you and anything you want to plug? Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at Coach Craig Sport, on YouTube at Coach Craig Sports, patreon.com slash Coach Craig Sports. I'm going to be working on a lot of stuff. Obviously, there's a True North fantasy football, doing some writing there for fantasy football, probably more so during the offseason. Uh, we bets uh, or uh, we we bet ATS um, is where I'm doing some basketball writing, actually. So before the trade deadline, I wrote about a couple of different players that could be traded for each team. Probably going to be doing something when we get closer to the playoffs to talking about that. Obviously, daily NBA DFS videos on my YouTube channel. Going to be doing some more draft prospect stuff in the coming day or well, probably shouldn't say coming days, the coming weeks. So I'm actually off to the NFL combine tomorrow morning. So I'm going to go nice. there, check some of that stuff out, too, and then um, kind of take some notes on it and come back and just kind of regroup and watch a little bit more film just started doing that last week a little bit more especially in terms of the quarterbacks it's a very interesting class and everybody has flaws yeah they all go. do let me know how Algier looks if he looks rocked up let me know hey there we go there we go all right uh, thank, you guys for, thank you guys for tuning into the show uh whether you listen to it live or in your cars uh if you are not following these guys uh, on twitter Go do that. Go do that. Uh, they both have some awesome stuff going on. I love uh, collaborating with different people and hearing uh, different opinions here. So it was really nice to have both guys on. Uh, be back at it again live sometime next week with a TBD guest uh, out there along with some our, our articles on the way. So, uh, uh, again, thanks for tuning in and uh, enjoy the, the combine week here, guys.